Dr. Fauci has funded the development of an extremely deadly strain of COVID in Boston University in the United States, not in Wuhan. How is this not plastered on in the front page of every single newspaper in the country? Dr. Fauci, we will dive into all the details. Funded the development of a very deadly, way more deadly than the initial strain of COVID and much more contagious. And yet the media has completely buried this story. I guess the media actually likes pandemics because it gives the government an incredible amount of control. All right. Plus, the Saudis are refusing to in the Saudi. The Saudis are making and OPEC are making President Biden look foolish. I mean, look like a total buffoon. And they're refusing his request, not his request. He begged, he pleaded and begged and fist bumped. But they are not increasing oil production. Uh, they're sticking it to Biden because he has been Iran's best friend. He has handed Iran a nuclear weapon on a silver platter. We will get to all of that. But first, some amazing projections about the midterms here, two and a half weeks away in just a moment. Welcome to the Yaakov M. Show on the VIN News Podcast Network on Naki Radio and on the Yeshiva International Hotline. Send us an email. Josh at VINnews.com. Josh at VINnews.com. Here we are less than three weeks away from the midterms, and the polls are looking extremely favorable for the Republicans. Even now, the leftist pundits, they can no longer deny this. It looks like, I mean, this is going to be a bloodbath. The Republicans, it looks like, will take control of the House and the Senate. And for a few months there, the media, the Democrats, they were trying to push this narrative, including the mainstream media, which is, you know, basically a propaganda machine for the left. They were trying to push this narrative. Well, it isn't so close. Well, the House is actually much closer than anybody thought. People are upset about abortion and about the Supreme Court and all of that. And it turns out that all they were trying to do there was trying to, like, create and manufacture some fake momentum toward the Democrats because it turns out that the projections right now and for most most of the year, the projections have been a bloodbath both in the House and in the Senate. Look, the Senate obviously is never going to flip too far because there's always 33 seats that are up. But the, the Republicans are projected to take control of the Senate by at least two seats. And in, term, in the House, we're talking uh, as many as 40 or 50 seats. Even Politico now says that 10 of the 12 House races, which have been neck and neck, are now leaning Republican in addition to the dozens of seats that are, have already been expected to flip and are going to just be no-brainers. Look at all the uh, dozens of Democrats in the House who are already, you know, who are resigning, who have announced they're not even running again because they know that they have no shot. So it's just been this bogus narrative for months about how the momentum is shifting in favor of the Democrats. And this isn't going to, this is going to be much closer than anybody thinks. And this is going to be a huge upset for the Republicans. And, and, and people aren't worried about inflation and gas prices have gone from like 480 to like 430, 440. So Biden's doing a great job of, 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 of decreasing inflation. And the country's fed up. The, the, the country is furious at Biden and his incompetence. And the country, the number one issue is not abortion. Nobody really cares about abortion, uh, at least in light of I know I know some people care about it. But it, it, number one, it's still legal in any state, in any blue state. And it's going to stay that way. And number two, inflation and the disastrous, disastrous economy is a way, way bigger issue for people day to day. How bad in the Senate? Well, real clear politics is predicting. And we're going to do a lot more. We're going to actually interview Moshe Hill, who's an expert on 
the elections and on the midterms. He's actually working now for the Board of Elections in the, in the coming days. But real clear politics is predicting the Republicans will pick up two Senate seats and it'll be 52 to 48, that margin. And I think it actually may even be more. They predict. Let me just give you the breakdown here. Real, real clear politics, which which is not a right wing um, website at all. They say the Republicans will hold on to Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, Wisconsin and Ohio and will pick up Nevada and Georgia and uh, will not lose any Senate races. So that is pretty interesting. We will bring you the latest on the state by state races here as we get closer to the midterms. So Boston University, this this is a bombshell. If the media was even remotely reasonable, normal, objective in any way, they would realize that developing a very, very deadly strain of COVID, it is sitting in a lab right now in Boston, and it is much, much more dangerous than any other COVID strain has been. It's 80% fatality rate. And it was developed thanks to funding by Dr. Fauci. I mean, this is the biggest bombshell in years. It, it, it boggles the mind. And I'm giving you undisputed facts. And not like I'm going to tell you something which like some like right wing conspiracy theorist came up with. The, the, this COVID strain, they used gain of function research, which is illegal. And, you know, what's the media focused on right now? They're focused on Trump's tax returns and on the National Archives and Ron DeSantis busing illegals to New York City. How messed up is our society right now? This is in Boston, Massachusetts. This is not like Boston, China. This is not Wuhan. This is Boston, Massachusetts. They've developed this extremely deadly and contagious strain, and it's just sitting in this lab in Boston waiting to escape. Now Boston University issued a statement defending this, defending their development of this very deadly virus. Here's what they did. They took the Omicron variant spike protein, attached it to the original COVID strain. So remember, the original COVID strain, it wasn't as contagious as Omicron. Omicron is almost like impossible to contain. It just jumps from person to person. The original COVID strain was already contagious, but not nearly as contagious, but it was much deadlier than Omicron. So what they've done is they've combined it, the worst of the worst, and it 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 there it now this 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 strain actually had an eighty percent mortality rate in certain species of mice. So you have a Republican senator who's a doctor, Roger Marshall of Kansas. He says that this this this, this needs to be investigated, and he says that this is a a lab leak waiting to happen. This is a very very highly dangerous pandemic just waiting to leak out of this lab and do who knows, I mean, unthinkable damage. He says the research entailed lethal gain-of-function research that creates the potential to kill more people than any singular nuclear weapon. That is a quote from a U.S. senator, Roger Marshall. And, yeah, this story is getting zero attention other than right here. Uh, Roger Marshall, I'll repeat that quote. This research has the potential, this virus that they developed that's sitting in a lab has the potential to kill more people than any single nuclear weapon. And Roger added, quote, viruses have managed to escape even the most secure labs. This research must stop immediately uh, while the risks and benefits can be investigated. Who sponsored this research? That would be our old friend, Dr. Fauci. That would be the NIAID, which is the part of that's the infectious disease uh, wing of the NIH, and it is literally led by Dr. Fauci. So here's a quote, just a quote from the study without getting too into the weeds here. Quote, the Omicron, Omicron S, they're calling this the Omicron S strain, 
The Omicron S virus robustly escapes vaccine-induced humoral immunity, mainly due to mutations in the receptor-binding motif. While Omicron causes mild, non-fatal infection, the Omicron S carrying virus inflicts severe disease with a mortality rate of 80%. I am quoting you. That's a direct quote from the study, from the researchers who have actually developed this. And they're saying that Omicron, the, the, the original Omicron strain, that uh, robustly escapes immunity. I'm sorry. They're saying that it, it, the, the, the original Omicron strain causes mild, non-fatal infection. But the Omicron S, that's the new one, inflicts severe disease with a mortality rate of 80 percent and it robustly escapes vaccine induced humoral immunity. Basically, what they're saying is that it it, it, uh, it sidesteps the vaccine. It it, it 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 circumvents the vaccine. So and we know the vaccine. We know that Omicron already is totally you know, the, the, the vaccine is totally ineffective against Omicron, meaning we know that Omicron does nothing to prevent a person from uh, acquiring the, 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 the Omicron virus. So Omicron is highly contagious, but not deadly. The original strain was pretty contagious, very deadly. And this is the worst of both. Meanwhile, the NIAID, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which is led by Fauci, funded this research and they're almost defending it. They say that an investigation is underway. They say, well, when we funded this, uh, we were not told by Boston University that they were going to be performing experiments on enhancing a COVID environment variant. They didn't tell us that this was going to be gain-of-function research. Boston University issued a lengthy statement defending its research. Here's what they said, quote, Ultimately, this research will provide a public benefit by leading to better targeted therapeutic interventions to help fight against future pandemics. We're doing this for the greater good. We're doing this to help people. Yeah, we're developing this extremely lethal and contagious strain, which is sitting there in a lab in Boston, in Boston. It was funded by taxpayer dollars. But we're doing this for the greater good. Who does that sound like? That sounds like Wuhan. That that, that, that sounds like Chinese propaganda. All right. In other news, uh, New York City homeless shelters are at a record capacity. And who are they blaming for this? They're blaming Ron DeSantis. You cannot make this stuff up. They're not blaming Joe Biden, who has allowed millions and millions, a record number of illegals to cross the border. And it's like, hey, come on in and we will process you. We'll give you a smartphone. We'll let you free, walk free, roam around, do whatever you want. And oh, by the way, don't forget to come back to your asylum hearing in two years. We're, we're sure make, you have to promise us honor system. Make sure you'll, you show up for your hearing. It's not Biden's fault that uh, homeless shelters and obviously homeless shelters. It's, it, it, there's a lot of homeless people in New York. Now, obviously, New York's homeless shelters are, you know, very, very frequently filled to a, a large degree, maybe not to capacity, but there's lots of homeless people in New York City, even without the illegals. But certainly the population of illegals has surged in recent months, as we know. So they're not blaming Kamala Harris, who is officially in charge of the border, and she's done nothing except maybe visit Guatemala once and uh, speak to the president of Guatemala and basically said, hey, Keep your citizens out of our country, which, of course, did not work. No, they're not. You know, they're not blaming Eric Adams with his insane leftist sanctuary city policy saying, hey, come on into the city. Oh, wait, I don't want you to be sent by Ron DeSantis. But if if Biden, if President Biden puts you on a chartered bus and sends it in New York City, then no problem. They're blaming DeSantis, the conservative. So the previous record in New York City's homeless shelters uh, back in 2019 was sixty one thousand four hundred. So that record has now been shattered. Uh, the most recent tally is 62,174 people right now 
in New York City's homeless shelters. And in addition to a new record of number of people being housed in these shelters, remember, they're not homeless anymore. Now they are unhoused. If, if you call them unhoused, then it's like, well, uh, you know, Joe went to the restaurant for a few hours, so he was unhoused at that time. It doesn't mean you're homeless. Just, it, it just, the point is that it's just a euphemism. They're just trying to, like, water it down. But the average length of stay has surged to an all-time high. Single adults spend an average of 509 days in homeless shelters. Families with kids, 534 days. And adult families spend a staggering 855 days on average in New York City homeless shelters. And then they wonder why they have a problem. And Eric Adams has declared a state of emergency and said, uh, should we stop sending? No. We're not going to stop accepting illegals. It's a state of emergency. So we need billions of dollars from the federal government. Well, you know, we'll keep doing this. We'll keep we'll keep welcoming these people in. We will continue to be a sanctuary city. If a hurricane is coming, I said this before, and Adams says, um, we're declaring a state of emergency. And you say to Adams, well, you could stop the hurricane. You can actually prevent the hurricane. What would he do? He would say, no, keep the hurricane coming, but I need billions of dollars from the federal government. He'd stop the hurricane. I hope he'd stop the hurricane. I don't even know about that. Who knows what this guy Adams would do? But like, uh, there's, there, there's, there's a, there's an uh, influx, a massive influx, a surge of illegals coming in, state of emergency. Do you want to stop the illegals? Do you want to tell them, hey, we're changing our policy? No, 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 keep them coming. But I need billions of dollars from the federal government. But don't say, I don't want DeSantis to send them. They could come on their own. Biden can literally charter a plane, have it land at three in the morning, whatever, as long as it doesn't come from DeSantis. Now DeSantis is being investigated by the federal government. Over his busing of illegals, we told you about this. There was a local sheriff somewhere who was trying to charge DeSantis with a crime, desperately, frantically trying to find some crime that DeSantis was committing. He wasn't. Now you got the federal government, predictably, they are trying to find a crime and charge DeSantis with a crime. What does it remind you of? This reminds you of of, of what they do to Trump, which which is, uh, you know, we, we don't like his policies, but he's winning. Let's charge him with a crime. The only problem they have here, just one big problem, is that it's totally legal. There's nothing illegal about DeSantis busing these in these illegals into New York City. The only illegal part is that they actually crossed the border illegally and that the Democrats allow them to do so. But there's no crime here. If anything, he's doing them a favor because they're much better off getting all the freebies. I'm not happy about it, but they go to New York City. They go to Baltimore and Chicago and all these other cities, and they're getting like tons of, ta- you know, tax taxpayer funded social programs, free education free health care, free food, et cetera, in Texas and Florida, they're not getting all those things. I'm not saying that that's a good thing, but that's just if you ask them, then they're much better off. They're trying to make it. The Democrats are trying to act as though like DeSantis is tricking them. Hey, here, you're going to get on an air conditioned bus. And you're going to go to this beautiful place called Martha's Vineyard. You're going to go to New York City and they're going to give you shelter, food, clothing, all free, all compliments of the taxpayer. And you're going to get a hotel room because that's what Adams is doing. He's renting hotels now. The U.S. Department of Treasury is investigating whether or not DeSantis improperly used funds to transport migrants from Texas to Martha's Vineyard, etc. I mean, this is their tactic. He's winning. He's making us look like fools. Let's find a crime. We've got to charge him with a crime. Okay, so we've got a bombshell report in the Wall Street Journal. The Saudis are trying to make Joe Biden look like an incompetent buffoon. By the way, Biden does a pretty good job of this himself. He doesn't even need the help of the Saudis. But the report, the Wall Street Journal says that back when Biden met MBS and gave him that fist bump, right? Mohammed bin Salman, the head of, this, of, of Saudi Arabia, the crown prince, 
The Saudis at that moment decided they were not going to increase oil production, even though Biden literally went there to beg the Saudis to increase oil production. He's desperate. He's trying to slow inflation and he needs more oil. And that's why, by the way, Biden has just released millions of barrels more in oil reserves. I don't think that's going to even make a dent in inflation, but he's trying to do it several weeks here before the midterms. It was all planned this way because he's hoping that people will say, oh, look, you see that Biden is trying to actually uh, decrease inflation. Remember, remember what happened? Biden, he fist bumped MBS, the man who murdered Jamal Khashoggi, even though Biden blasted Trump for getting all friendly and buddy buddy with the Saudis, with MBS. But th- that was Biden, the candidate. But now Biden becomes president. And suddenly he's giving him a fist bump. Then there were these conflicting accounts. Remember that Biden came out and uh, the Biden people, the White House said, oh, yeah, well, in a in a closed door meeting, Joe Biden actually criticized and condemned MBS for murdering Khashoggi. The Saudis came out and said, no, that actually never happened. Well, now a White House leaker has said that Biden went there. The real reason for his trip was he was pan- and this is there's no question. We knew this was the case. But now it's confirmed by a leaker from the White House itself. He that Biden went there to beg the Saudis to boost oil experts because he's crushed the U.S. economy, Biden. And he now needs the Saudis to basically save save his skin. And the Saudis said, why would we do that? Why would we want to help you? You've been an enemy of ours. You've been you, 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 you've, you've thrown us under the bus. The Wall Street Journal further claimed that MBS himself lost patience with Biden and was angered. Uh, by the Biden visit in July, so much so that he actually lowered, he reduced, this is MBS, was furious at Biden after that meeting. He lowered a proposed increase in oil production in August after Biden urged the Saudis to encourage OPEC to start pumping and manufacturing more oil. This is a story in the Wall Street Journal that cited sources inside the Saudi government who said MBS was annoyed at Biden. And here's a quote from the journal, quote, if anything, the people inside the Saudi government said that the visit angered Prince Mohammed, who was upset that Biden went public with his private comments to the Saudi royal over the death of Mr. Khashoggi, which prompted Saudi officials to publicly contradict Biden's characterization of their interaction. And it even gets worse because, according to sources now, uh, relations between the U.S. and Saudis uh, and, and and the U.S. and all these Gulf states that Trump was friendly with and made peace with are now damaged beyond repair. So think about that. And and, and again, these are not good people. I'm not I, I'm not sitting here saying that the Saudis are a good country. The Saudis, uh, they're evil. Let's, let's be honest. Let's call the spade a spade. And, you know, and, 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 and Qatar, some of these other countries, the UAE, Bahrain, these are vicious countries. But you know what? Your enemy's enemy by default is your friend. So they have a common enemy, which is Iran. They're willing to put their differences aside. These countries are willing to work with Israel. That was the historic Abraham Accords. And now Biden has gone and totally wrecked that relationship. And now relations between the U.S. and these countries are damaged beyond repair. Trump had the Saudis wrapped around his little pinky because Biden has allowed Iran to develop a nuke. He's thrown the Saudis under the bus and they are furious. So Biden was hoping the Saudis would ramp up production by about two million barrels of oil per day. And the Saudis said, no, we're going to increase, but just 100,000 barrels a day, which is which is nothing. It's a joke because America uses 20 million barrels of oil a day. Okay, earlier this month, OPEC announced that it would slash production by two million barrels a day, slash cut production. That was only a couple of weeks before a few weeks before the midterm elections. Pretty fascinating. By the way, core U.S. inflation is off the charts. It's at a 40 year high inflation. The numbers keep coming out and. Despite the Biden Inflation Reduction Act, which does nothing to reduce inflation, 
Um, Inflation is at a 40-year high, and it's only getting worse. And the Fed is, once again, considering a hike in interest rates, which are already off the chart. All right, I want to get into another story here. The Supreme Court has rejected a lawsuit against the ban of bump stocks, which means the Supreme Court basically basically upheld the ban of bump stocks. You know what bump stocks are. They're the, 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 you know, the accessory that you add to, let's say, a rifle, an AR-15 rifle to make it act, to make it shoot quicker, basically, to make it act, resemble an automatic weapon, a spray fire. Now, the Supreme Court says that it's not going to intervene and the ban of bump stocks stands. Why is this so important? Because it means it's a final, you know, it, it's a done deal, the ban of bump stocks. Who banned bump stocks? President Trump. Okay, Obama refused to ban bump stocks. Trump banned bump stocks. This is such an important story because Trump, he, it actually outraged the gun lobby. It outraged the NRA. But Trump decided he took a firm stand. I always say he's done more. That ban of bump stocks, Trump has done more. If you look at what Obama did uh, in, in terms of gun control, he did virtually nothing for eight years. Uh, he passed Obamacare, so he had a Democrat majority at, at, at points in his presidency, but he did nothing for gun control because it's all bluster. He's a hypocrite. Even Biden, by the way, they passed that one gun control bill, but you know it was it was a joke. I mean, it it, it really made zero difference. It, it was just like it was just it was just a sham. It was just uh, you know uh, bells and whistles. But uh, here's what happened: Trump gets no credit, even though he banned bump stocks against the will of the gun lobby who gives Trump tons of money. The Supreme Court said it's not going to take up two challenges to the ban of bump stocks. And uh, the, the justices made no comments about why, you know, they, when, they, when they don't take up a case, they don't explain why they didn't take up a case. But that's not the issue. The issue is this, that Trump banned bump stocks in 2019 after the horrific 2017 mass shooting in Las Vegas in which that shooter uh, who was, you know, up in some in a hotel room and was able to shoot for a long time until they were able to come in and stop him and bring take him down. And uh, in response to that, Trump banned bump stocks. And that was actually against they overturned the Obama policy. Obama in 2010 uh, decided that bump stocks could not be classified as a machine gun. And they said, you can't ban them under federal law. And Trump said, we'll give it a try. And the Obama people, they said, you know, you know what, we looked into this and it isn't going to work. It's it, it, the, the, the courts are going to overturn it. It turns out the Trumps didn't know the, the, the courts didn't overturn it. But Trump said, give it a shot, ban it because it's the right thing to do. And you can make a strong argument. And uh, Trump overturned the Obama policy. So the Obama policy was let's not ban bump stocks. Let's not do what we can to, you know, to, to, to take away people's gun rights when it's dangerous. Trump, whether you agree or disagree with the move, but Trump actually did something which was unpopular amongst many Republicans and many gun owners. And the point is the media gives him zero credit. By the way, Joe Biden has issued a total of 99 executive orders, which is a huge amount for this point in his presidency. He's issued a total of 99 executive orders. And there's an estimate that they have cost one point five trillion dollars. That's almost a half, by the way, of the of the total federal budget. So that's an additional spending, obviously, on top of the budget. Joe Biden's 99 executive orders, if you do the tally, they have cost taxpayers an additional uh, uh, additional one point five trillion dollars above what's already the trillions that are already being spent year after year. A recent uh, model, the Penn Wharton budget model, which I believe is nonpartisan, shows that Biden's student loan forgiveness alone, 
That executive order could cost up to a trillion dollars. The original estimate was $500 billion, which is a fortune, which is insane. And now they're estimating a trillion dollars uh, plus another $500 billion through Biden's other executive orders. So, I mean, this man is single-handedly forgetting all the money, that all the trillions that are being spent already with, with, with all the wasteful spending and all the, all, all the insane socialist programs. But now Biden has single-handedly increased that by $1.5 trillion, and he's just getting going. He's, you know, you know he's going to keep going, and, uh, and it's a disaster. And, and, and the country, you know, we, we're already at, what, $31 trillion of national debt. All right, that's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.